to become an under the radar leader in your industry, you don't need to be very well famous. You just need to be well known to 15, 20, 30, 50 of the right people spread across in the right places. And then once you have that, you've got a back door to your buyer's office. Be valuable enough to these people in a very leveraged way through his alchemy network, in a very leveraged way, again, by curation and conversation and with a little bit of expertise. It's not a coaching program. It's not consulting, but he is presenting himself as an authority. Hello, and welcome back to the E-Tribe. This is Isari, your host. And the person you're listening to is Dov Gordon. Dov is a brilliant marketer, and he is a master of building communities and growing relationships in a very seamless way that complements every and any business you can think of. And the beauty of that, he creates this community while creating value through things he's doing on the day-to-day, which helps him grow the businesses in and the people that he's teaching how to do it as well, while also finding ways to monetize the community itself in the back end. In many cases, seven figures monetization just of the community itself. So stick around. This will be fascinating for each and every one of you who's looking to leverage relationships in order to grow your business and have an additional cash flow. I'll see you on the other side of the intro. You're listening to the E-Tribe podcast series, a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passions and become better at what they do. I'm Isar Matis, a serial entrepreneur myself, and I'm sitting down with other members of the E-Tribe, entrepreneurs, e-commerce experts, e-marketers, and other e-people. We come from different industries and different places around the world. Together, we discuss challenges, solutions, lessons learned, and tools which help us be more effective and make an impact in our world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the E-Tribe. This is Isar, your host, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for my guest today for many different reasons, but I'll start with a short story. A friend of mine who is a brilliant marketer, his name is Adam King. And Adam used to have a very interesting podcast called The Client Catching Podcast. And he recently changed the name and rebranded it the B2B Growth Think Tank, where he brings questions from people with businesses and he puts a panel of experts to answer these questions, which is a very cool and interesting format. And I was lucky to be on the launch of the show on that panel with two marketers who are way smarter than me. And one of them happens to be Dov Gordon, who is my guest today. And everything he was saying was so much my language about how the core of growing business is learning how to develop relationships and how to do it in an effective way, in an efficient way, while still really deepening and nurturing those relationships. And so when I had the opportunity immediately after, I said, Dov, you got to come on my show. So it took us a while. I had COVID in between. We had to cancel. But here he is. Dov, thank you so so much for joining us at the show today. Um, thank you. You've really set the bar high and uh, <laughs> glad, glad you fully recovered. So today, Dov, you are the CEO and the founder, I guess, of Profitable Relationships, where you teach other people on how to build and leverage relationships to grow their businesses. If you can take us in like five minutes to your journey and how you got to doing what you're doing today. Yeah, you know, we're going back 20, 20 years about, just about 20 years where I started off as a consultant coach, not knowing what I was doing. I just came across the idea of business coaching. I'd been interested in business from age 13. And now I was uh, 21, 22, married, you know, family on the way. And I had to figure out what was I going to do. So I'd, you know, after I'd spent... Quite, you know, I guess most of my teens reading all different types of business books, marketing, public relations, management, I just found it interesting. It wasn't the only thing I read, but I, I read probably more than average on that. And doing a little stint in MLM, there was a company called Excel Telecommunications back then. I bet somebody listening to this uh, was also <laughs> in Excel. It was at the time, apparently it was the fastest company ever to go to a billion dollars in sales because it was hot. But that taught me that MLM is not a real business, which was nice. But that was, it, was, it was a valuable experience because I learned about the importance of systemization and duplication and, 
and so on. But I also knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. And somewhere along the line, I came along across the idea of business coaching, which was relatively new, uh, at least by that name. I suppose the concept's been around forever. And I decided to enroll in a course to learn business coaching, which I did. Didn't bother to get the certification at the end. And I'm saying that on purpose because there are a lot of people who get all caught up in the whole idea about coaching and coaching is this and coaching is not that and coaches need to be certified. And I, I feel bad for them because for the most part, they end up chasing things that aren't there. I mean, none of that matters for actually getting clients, actually helping people, actually being able to support yourself, turn your expertise into a profitable business. So I discovered that over the you know the next seven or so, seven, maybe eight years, I was pushing boulders up the hill, watch them roll back down and then start over again. I mean, that's I was Sisyphus incarnate and I knew that I had a lot to offer. I knew that I was... You know, reasonably intelligent. I knew that I cared. I wasn't just trying to make a sale. I, but I did not know so many things about taking my expertise and packaging it and presenting it in a way that my ideal clients would understand what I could do for them. They'd hear my message come across me in such a way where they would want to happily pay well for whatever it was I could do for them. Along the way, I started a CEO peer advisory group. One of these CEO peer groups, we had uh, CEOs of companies doing between 10 and 200, I think even $250 million in sales. Uh, we'd get together for half a day, once every five weeks or so. But again, even there, I got some of it right. I managed to get these people in the room, which is remarkable, really, looking back. I was this kid with no experience. I never run a company. And I was able to get them cold calling their offices, really. So... That was good, but what I did not have at the time was an understanding of how to sell that to them consistently. You know, like I would get somebody in, and it could take. You know, getting them on the phone was was something. You know, a lot of people wondered, like, how do you get that? How did you get a phone call with this guy? Like, you know, yeah, running from well-known companies in the area. Well, I, well, I, I figured out how to get him on the phone, right? And then, and then, how did you get a meeting with him? Well, I said some things that made him want to meet with me. Great. Now, the thing is what I did not understand was, and a lot of people get stuck in this type of thing, is that you get parts of the puzzle. You get some of the pieces in place, but you don't get the whole puzzle. You don't get, okay. you're still missing important pieces. So I'd managed to get my foot into some really great doors, but I did not understand how to then really turn that into great sales. You know, I got some consulting projects from it, which was really what I'd had in mind ultimately, but it was, you know, it was too far you know, too infrequent, too, you know, too few and far between, although everyone was a great experience for me. And, you know, I was doing strategy work for companies with in the, in the tens of millions of dollars in sales. And, you know, I go in and, and I try to like really, you know, have this problem where I have to remind myself that I belong there, honestly, you know, like what, and, and <laughs> I've had this syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've definitely had that and still do really over the years is that I just tend to assume that everybody else knows more, has more experience. But I'm saying this again out loud because there are a lot of people with this problem I know. And what I've discovered again and again and again is that so many of those people who I assume know more and have a richer experience, they, they don't necessarily, it's not necessarily true. And even when it is true, it doesn't mean that they can't benefit from what I have. And because they don't have some of the valuable pieces that I'm able to bring in. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of people listening who might be in a similar situation. So, sure. So, like, really, it was great. Like, I still remember one guy, you know, one CEO of a $50 million a year, was it a flexible packaging company, you know? And he, he pointed at me, he was across, we were meeting at in the conference room of a, a, a large law firm in, you know, in that region. He looked across the table. I don't remember what came before this, but I'll never forget this. And he said, you know why I'm here? I'm here because of his chutzpah. And he pointed at me. <laughs> so, and I was like, I was like it, was, it was a great compliment. It was, and you know, I, I was just you know, quietly persistent. And I found myself facilitating these half-day conversations with CEOs of companies. I'd never run anything in my life, you yeah. know? I'd been the you know arts and crafts counselor for a day camp. I, I had to run arts and crafts for a, a nice size day camp, but you know that was about it. But 
I guess what I was good at was uh, listening, asking questions, facilitating, learning, being, you know, trying to find the right balance and so on. So that, that's the short thing. Eventually, I did start to figure out some of the things I was doing wrong. I, I invested in, in learning and training and books and working with some mentors and coaches because, you know, I remember one mentor said to me, early mentor, he said, he said, Dove, you've got a lot of talent, but now you need to turn it into processes and skills. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I mean, it hit me also like a bolt of lightning because I, something about that was a blinding flash of the obvious. I suddenly realized like, huh, yeah, okay, I have potential, but I haven't turned it into something. It's like I could play the piano, but I, I you know, haven't given it enough form and structure. And I, I didn't know what a skill was in the context. You know, I knew hard, you know, hard skills like, you know, yeah, carpentry, yeah. archery, you know whatever. But in this sense, like, what does it even mean to have a skill? And over the time, I've come to understand much more clearly what skills, what, what it means in the sense of consulting and coaching and so on. And, you know, sales conversations, messaging, you know, telling a story, sequencing, targeting a market. I mean, there's just so understanding a market. There's just a lot there. And it's just, it's been a you know long uphill battle. I seem to have a, a knack for suffering through certain things and then being able to distill it down to its essence and then share that with others so that to help save them some of the frustration. And, you know, in the real world, everybody's gonna have to live through their own their own you're gonna have to fight your own fight. Yeah. But you can't do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. We all need, you know, good relationships with, with mentors, people who are ahead of us, colleagues who are on the road with us, and clients people who are looking to us. And every single one of those is a valuable relationship that we all need. So you know, what I've done since starting to understand a little more about, okay, okay, this is all starting to come together. And now we're going back probably 12, 13 years. And I started to understand more of what I'd been missing. And I, I decided to shift my focus to help other people who were you know, like me. They were looking to market and sell their expertise and, and it struggled. Didn't quite understand that there really is a whole aspect of this that's way beyond being good at what you do. And I slowly but surely started to build that up. And in order to do that, in order to, I decided at the time that I was going to do cross promotions, joint venture teleseminars then. This is before Zoom. So I was looking around, where am I going to find Was people? there a time before Zoom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it existed? <laughs> yeah. That's back when you and I both had hair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, or at least a little more hair. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. So this is a, so, you know, I decided I was going to look for people who were also marketing and selling to small business audiences over the internet and understood the value of, of uh, direct marketing and cross promotions, joint venture promotions. But I, did, I joined a number of different online communities and forums. I, I didn't find what I was looking for. I was looking for certain kinds of people with certain kinds of values. I was not looking for people who were, you know, I joined one community. And, and what I remember most from it, what stood out was that it was just a community of backslappers, everybody slapping each other on the back, telling them how awesome they are for, you know, doing almost nothing. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. I mean, I want people to tell me what I need to hear, not you know, what they think I want to hear. Yeah. Another community, you know, was, uh, was also, was very good, very valuable, but it was a bit of a different niche. And what, what was interesting to me is that how every community was different and very much influenced by the leader, by whoever had started it and was leading it. And that's an insight that's come back to me later on, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch back on because it has, it's really important for people to understand. I want to pause you for one second, because you said so many things which are brilliant and I want to kind of put them all together in the context of where this is going, because it's it's amazing. The first thing you said, which is kind of counterintuitive to the topic that I said we're going to talk about, which is relationship in business. And the first thing you said that you have to figure out is systems and processes and skills, right? And the reason for that, and I'm a huge, huge believer in what you're saying, in order to scale anything, in order to scale anything, you got to have the skills, you got to have the systems, and you got to have the processes. Otherwise, it is not scalable. So you could be the best in the world in something. Let's take consulting, running a business, investing, whatever. There's an X capacity you hit, and that's it. You cannot mm -hmm. scale beyond that unless you have the systems and processes and so on. So that's number one that I really, really like to touch. Number two is find the people, surround yourself with the people that can help you grow. 
help you grow as a person, help you grow as a business person, help you grow with developing the right relationships, with developing system and processes, help you grow. And number three is leadership, right? When you put the right leadership and or the wrong leadership in some of the cases, right? Leadership has such a huge impact on how it reflects on the organization, big or small. You're just talking about a Facebook group, right? But the leader of the Facebook group sets the tone, the atmosphere, mm-hmm. the way people are going to engage the outcome of this whole organization, again, big or small, on how he created this, right? It's, it's his, DNA, his or hers DNAs that, that flows into the whole organization. So yeah. brilliant. Again, take it from here. So what happened then? Did, did you find the groups that actually were the right groups? No, I didn't find. So I started my own. I realized that I'll, you know, let me just start my own. So I reached out to a handful of people who I'd met online in various courses or programs or I don't remember where. And I said, hey, I want to start a, a network of people who are marketing and selling to small business, entrepreneur, consultant, coach, expert, and so on. And the people who understand the value of cross-promotion who will, hey, you know, everybody wants to be promoted, but not everybody's willing to promote others or sees yes. the value of it. And there's a huge value for everybody involved. Uh, so anyway, so, so I, got, I started with a handful of people. And over the years, we grew to a couple hundred people. And I was running it for free. wasn't charging anything because I benefited so a lot. I, I want to pause you for a second. When you're saying a network and you're saying you were running it, walk me through the details. What does that yeah. look like? So what, what it looks like is that we, we grew... We're all, it's all virtual, all, you know, so people would definitely like, you know, if, if people ended up at the same conference, they would, they would meet and go out for dinner. But most of our interaction was online. We were pretty active email-based conversation through Google groups or something similar, but in our case, Google groups. We have a monthly 90-minute uh, video Zoom call now. It used to be started off as teleconference. People have one-on-one conversations to get to know each other. This is it's called the JVMM. You know, that, that's the, the Joint Venture Marketing Mastermind. I have another network now, which is called the Under the Radar Leaders Network, and that's for a different type of personnel. We can get to that maybe. So the, the JVMM was, and then, sorry, then people have one-on-one conversations, and then people would find ways of, of doing things. You know, my, I realized looking back that what I was doing, and I was doing quite well, was curating the group so that, you know, the, it was the right people. Meaning I, I wasn't accepting just anybody. I really was looking for certain kinds of people. And I was growing a network comprised of those people. And the second thing I was doing was conversation, making it easy for great people to have great conversations. And when you bring good people together and they get to know each other, then good things happen. So you know, I, I agree 100%. Again, I want to take you to the tactics because what you're saying makes perfect sense, but I'm like, how do I actually implement that? How do I go from, okay, I have, because we all have the short list, right? You have the first 10, 20, 30 people that you can reach out mm-hmm. today. And like, oh my God, would this be awesome to put us in a virtual room once every X, whenever it works. What do you do to actually, do you create an agenda for every meeting? Do you set up those one-on-ones? Do you like, how does it, what makes this thing work? Because many people have, oh, I have a Facebook group and there's 200 people. Like, what do you do? Well, I don't know. I post there every other day. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, so that's not a group, right? It is on, on a technical term, but it doesn't create any engagement, Community, enrichment, yeah. education, relationships. That doesn't happen. And what you're talking about is really nurturing relationships. So how did you actually do this? Well, it, it definitely requires some leadership, you know, Anytime there's a network or mastermind or whatever you want to call it, people call it different things. One thing I noticed was that there has to be somebody leading it. And people get a lot of value from it. But if if you walk away, the whole thing will collapse because there's nobody leading it, even if they really enjoy it. And I know that because this is not the first, the the JVM was not the first time I formed a a group or a network. Previously, I'd had my CEO roundtables, which is one thing. As far as I know, nobody took over after I stopped. And another time I'd gone to a seminar for consultants and afterwards I had organized a uh, monthly study group and that ran for two or three years. You know, we would meet once a month, we would study a cer- you know, certain books and certain chapters and people, you know, and I just organized everything and we'd learn from each other just to better understand how to apply certain ideas and concepts. But when I, re- when I got to the point where I felt like this is no longer serving my needs, so I stepped down and the whole thing fell apart because there was nobody to step in. So the fact is that 
the leadership role, the organization that you do for whatever, for any of these networks is really valuable for people because everybody's been in some kind of group that started off and then fell apart for one reason or another. JVMM, we're going for, I think it's more than 10 years now. I don't remember exactly. And we're getting stronger all the time. And, you know, it's because there's a few reasons for it, but, but I'll walk through them as much as you want, but the leadership really, really matters. Now, how, okay, so what do I, what do we talk about? I, we prepare an agenda before the call. I'll usually ask somebody uh, in, the, in the group to, to share something that I believe a lot of people in the, in the community will, will benefit from. And I also Is it usually, anybody, sorry to stop you for a second. Is it usually a challenge they have that they need help with resolving? Or is it something they figured out that can help other people figure out the same thing? Well, in, in our case, it's both because I will usually ask somebody to share something that I know that we can all learn from. I mean, we have a network. I mean, the JVM is people who are world-class and, and, you know, a lot of them are quite well known that not when I started, but over, over the years, a lot of the people who I was putting on a pedestal are now paying members. And that's quite remarkable. Yes. So the, it's, it's, sorry, like I said, it's a combination. Like, in other words, I don't have outside speakers talk to JVMM because we have enough people inside who are, Sure. You know, definitely. You know, we don't need outside speakers. So we, you know, it'll be a combination of, of me recognizing that uh, sometimes people say, hey, you know, would you want me to share this or that with everybody? And I think, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds like a topic everyone would benefit from. Usually if it's something I'm interested in, then everyone's interested. Yes. <laughs> well, not everybody, that's for sure. Not everybody, but, but enough, enough. You never have something that, that's right for everybody at every time. Sure. And then I, I invite people to add something to the agenda. Like, you know, what, what's something you'd want, you know, is there something that you'd want some input on, you know, and, and what we're doing today, you know, marketing and selling over the internet, you know, remotely, it, there's so much to know. And it is so impossible for anybody to know all of it that, you know, bringing people together who with a spirit of generosity, and I say this, I say this, I have a little video on, on ProfitableRelationships.com about the JVMM. It's something relatively recent that I put up because I'd never had anything up on it for you know, 10 years or so. And I make this point. I said, look, I, I'm looking for people. I'm not looking for celebrity. I really don't care how famous somebody is. I really don't care how, you know, how cool they are. I'm looking for mastery and generosity. I'm looking for people who have mastered their craft and have a generous spirit, looking, you know, happy to share both what works and what doesn't. And that's a big part of why it's working so well. So we know who we're for. We know what we're looking for. I, I don't get caught up myself. Yeah, we do have some members who would qualify as celebrities in their areas to some degree, but they're only there because they're also masters of their craft and really, truly generous. So that, you know, my, again, I see the two most valuable things I'm doing is curation and conversation, bringing people together, making sure it's the right people there. And I turn people away. You know, I've turned away a guy who I estimate was worth $100 million. And not because I was, you know, not because I wanted a great story, although I got a great story, right? <laughs> but, yeah. But it's simply because it's just, it wasn't a fit. So I want to touch again on two points that you mentioned. One, an organization to be successful, any organization needs a DNA. It mm-hmm. needs a culture. And what you're basically saying is that, right? I'm going to bring people who fit the culture. In your case, mastery of a topic, business-related, most likely, and generosity, meaning people who will be willing to be, A, vulnerable and share stuff that they have issues with, but B, share successes and say, here's exactly what I've done to reach success. And once you create that DNA, now you're saying now it's a lot easier to build on that culture because everybody's the same thing. Everybody wants to donate. Everybody knows they're going to get something if they give something. And so that's one thing. But the second thing, which I think is very, very critical, is about the whole concept that that Pablo and I, my partner, we call be the kingmaker rather than the king. You're not the one delivering the content. You give the stage to other people to share their stories, share their success, share their vulnerabilities. And by that, enabling really everybody, not even enabling, empowering people to participate in the conversation. I absolutely love this. I do have one small up, small up, small follow-up question. I can't speak. (laughs) One small follow-up question. You said about the one-to-one conversations, and I think these are so critical because that's when real relationships are built. Do you create those? Do you kind of like play the role of a facilitator or you kind of allow it to happen? 
to some degree, I introduce people. Like if I'm talking to one person and I, I get the feeling like, oh, um, Isar, you should definitely talk to so-and-so. I'll, I'll make the introduction right away. You know, I'll send an email to both introducing them. Obviously, it's with, you know, if I don't have permission from somebody, then I'll check first. But most people seem to be happy to receive any introductions that I feel are worth their while. So I've got good credibility there. And, you know, so I'll make the introduction. But I, look, I, I don't force it or push it or try to control very much. But what I did, I did a survey of the JVM about a year ago, and I sent out a, a number of questions and I asked people just to try to understand what was most valuable. You know, I have like 12 or 13 or 14 various, various variables or benefits that, that I'm seeing people gaining from being in the network. And I want to know what do people find to be, you know, how would they rank them on a scale of one to 10 as, as in terms of value? And I saw that people ranked very high, highly the, the ability to, to really to have one-on-one or get to know, to really build new relationships with other people in the network. At the same time, people shared that they were only having between zero and three conversations with other people in the network. That was the majority. You know, some people were having more. But uh, you know, it, the choices were zero to one, two to three. So you know, and I remember seeing like you know, between zero and three was you know, like, the, the, like 70% or so. Interesting. So what I realized was that what people were saying was most valuable, they were not getting around to. It's because we're all busy. And, you know, if you have 100 members in a community and you talk to one a week, it's going to take you two years to get through to everybody. Sure. So I started something new, which is, you know, I call the weak tie explosion call because the most valuable people in your network are often the weak ties. It's research from the 60s or 70s, I forget. And, you know, the, the idea is really it, it's kind of speed dating within the JVMM. Sure. And so I created a system or process to make that easy. And now people are, you know, the, the people in JVMM will, you know, somebody will say, oh, they decide they're going to schedule a week tie explosion call and then invite other people to sign up and they'll have five, six people in a conversation. And then after that, everyone can realize that, oh, this is good. I got to know a handful of people and these two are, I should definitely follow up with individually. And then let's, you know, do the same. So now instead of, you know, talking to zero to three people, uh, a month, I'm talking to more within yes. less time. Now I can't, you know, some people do very little and some people do very much. My attitude also is that I do not want to control people's participation. The only thing that I control is who gets in, who stays in. And of course I, I make the effort to lead. Interestingly enough, I could, I'd say that I don't think I spend more than an hour a week, or I, th- I think I spend less than an hour a week on leading this really like probably couple hours a month. Sure. You know, I'm not counting times that I actually have conversations with people. I'm not counting that because that I'd be doing anyway. So, but actually leading it, it's very, you know, there's, there's very little to do once you set it up. So that's kind of amazing, you know, and, and part of what, what I figured out and, and I've narrowed my focus in my little coaching organization over the last two years. And that's where we you know, switched or are in the process of switching my branding to the profitable relationships company, profitablerelationships.com. And uh, is because I, I realized that, that a lot of what I was doing for free, I could start to get paid for. And that has to do with transitioning from a, a free group to a paid group. It was a very scary transition for me. It was a big leap. I was afraid to make it. But after you know, consulting with members and thinking about it for, for probably too long, I started charging a modest you know, one to $2,000 a year. And suddenly yeah but for a hundred people that adds up <laughs> it does it was never my intention yeah but it's become a little business yeah and it's wonderful and what i came to realize is that what's what was working for me is something that other people can do too and i came to see that there are different models for this and i've worked with clients now to build their own alchemy networks some are building a network of colleagues like like the jvmm some are building a network of ideal clients like my other network under the radar leaders network is for consultants, people who are past or present or potential future clients, bit of a different model, bit of a different structure, bit of a different way of leading it and running it. Uh, and some are for what we call recommenders, you know, a client of mine, one of the first people that I approached and said, you know, I really think you'd benefit from starting your own alchemy network, as I call it. And he's a consultant who he works, um, his clients are half billion and billion dollar plus businesses. And he, you know, a project with him is anywhere from a couple hundred thousand dollars for something they do over 90 days to low seven figures over something that stretches on longer. So his decision maker is very hard to reach. 
So we realized, you know, I realized that he could build a, a community of people who are one or two levels below the CEO of these companies who generally will need to be involved, not just because of the price of his consulting, but also because of the impact it has across multiple divisions. So you need somebody, the, the person at the top to be able to say, hey, all of you need to dedicate time for this because it has to change. At the same time, his focus is new product development for manufacturing companies and usually takes much longer than they expect and it costs much more. And, and people are always going back to the senior management and saying, we need more money and we need more people. And generally it's not that. Generally it's the process that they're approaching to their project management. And he's, he has a really good track record and, and a, a really nuanced understanding and mastery of this in a way that he really, you know, conventional wisdom about such things that everybody accepts as true is often not true. Yep. And, you know, you need somebody. So we, we mapped out uh, a model for his network and a strategy. And he started reaching out to, well, we decided that it was going to be for not the CEOs, not the managing director of these half billion, billion dollar plus uh, divisions or businesses, because to form a network that would really keep their attention, first of all, it, it just wasn't, he just didn't feel like it was the right fit. And we didn't, like, you really need to come up with something unique because it has to be something that they could say, look, for me to be involved in this, it's going to affect enough of my job that it makes a lot of sense. And, and so we realized that what makes more sense over there was to craft a network or to create a network for recommenders. Recommenders are people who have a relationship with the real decision maker and they could recommend and they can also perhaps in this case, they have a budget up to a certain amount. So his network is now for R&D directors. So they're a level or two down and they are responsible for new product development, but they don't have all the authority. So they're frustrated. And he started reaching out cold to them using some messaging that we crafted. And he's got some fantastic results. You know, there was a 72 hour, like it was a two or three day period where he, he got five senior executives, these senior R&D executives to book themselves on his calendar w within two, three days in, res in response to cold LinkedIn outreach that we did. Yeah. So that was a great story for him, but it, and it also start, helped me start to realize what was possible. And then four out of five, he took into his alchemy network, which he leads. And it's a way of really just building relationships with these people. It becomes what I call an under the radar leader in his industry. To become an under the radar leader in your industry, you don't need to be very well famous. You just need to be well known to 15, 20, 30, 50 of the right people spread across in the right places. And then once you have that, you've got a back door to your buyer's office. Sorry. All he's got to do is be valuable enough to these people in a very leveraged way through his alchemy network in a very leveraged way, again, by curation and conversation and with a little bit of expertise. It's not a coaching program. It's not consulting, but he is presenting himself as an authority. Some of them, he would then lead to a, like a small project, maybe a, so some coaching for the R&D director or some kind of small project that he can do from home or a lot of it from remotely for a, you know, a, a modest fee. That's you know already not so small, but but it's within their budget. And then when they have that success, they they're more confident to go to their bosses and their CEO and say, hey, you know, Mike and I we did this, and we and look at the results we got. It was great. But to take it further, now we need to involve the other departments. I need help. So that's you know, and he's only looking for three to four projects a year. So what we've done, and that's just one example. And there's a anybody I'm working with on this, we need to look at, take a step back. And it's not about the network and what I can do for the, you know, I can create a network. It's about what's the business I'm trying to create? What are the revenues I'm looking to generate from what kind of services or products? And then where does it make sense? If it does, it doesn't always make sense. Where does it make sense to, to perhaps add a layer near the bottom at the bottom or near the bottom of, uh, of an, what I call an alchemy network? So it doesn't make I, I, sense for everybody or at least not every model makes sense for everybody, depending on, on who you are, what you sell. I think you're saying again, a few brilliant things. One, one of them is you got to know the language and you got to know the pain points of the people you're trying to serve. You got to analyze it in a way that enables you to define who's really your target persona, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think what's so cool about the example you just gave, and, and I absolutely love it because it's like the regular example, well, okay, I know my 
uh, persona is, in his case, the people who really is going to write him a you know, half a million dollar check is the CEO of the company. But you can't get to that guy. So like, okay, who can I get to to influence the decision-making process? And you know, somebody closes the door, you find the window. And this is finding just a bunch of windows and kind of like stacking them together. So just it opens more opportunities for you. I've, I've recorded another very interesting episode that kind of ties to this with a girl called Noi Danzig. And she has a very, very high white, high-end white glove kind of product with people nobody can reach, like nobody. And she's kind of doing the same thing. She's like, okay, nobody can reach them, but still some people reach them. And, and you'll be surprised who are these people, right? So these people need somebody to mow their lawn that they have a relationship with. They need somebody installing a smart home system at their house. That are, So it's like these weird things are like, okay, I'm trying to get to this crazy high-end CEO that nobody can book time on his calendar, including his executives. You're like, okay, there are people who, are in, who interact with them. And you can, if you can influence them, if you can give them value that they would share with that person and he hears about it from two different directions, then, then now you've done this. The other thing that I wanted to touch is the whole relationship side of things, right? Everything you said, literally everything, is not about, yes, you leverage the call call on LinkedIn with the right messaging to get the person to interact with you. But then it's an ongoing relationship building, value giving setup that actually gets the win in the end. And mm -hmm. I think that's maybe the biggest difference between what you and I do to our quality transactional economy, right? It's the long-term compounded investment in real relationship with other people and providing value to them is what yields those results. And what you're saying is, okay, you can systemize that. You can build a structure and a process around how to nurture relationships over time. And I find it fascinating because it's not something you see every day. Well, yeah, relationships take time. You know, a lot of the people I'm working with, they're dealing with some, you know, moderately to high value projects and, you know, sales. So let's say 15,000 to 150,000 or, or even more. And a lot of their business comes from referrals and relationships that they've started at some point or built up. Someone heard you speak and then you, you met, met for lunch and, and they weren't ready to start working with you, right? So to, what do you do? You know, you know, Isar, you tell me, Dove, I love what you're talking about. Love what you're doing. It makes a lot of sense for us. We're just so overwhelmed right now with these other projects. I really think, Dove, get back to me in six months. I really think we'll be ready then. Okay. Sometimes that's a genuine, you know, they're not trying, you're not trying to avoid it. Like, it's the truth. You've got things that you just can't deal with everything at once. Yes. So I'm, I'll take the initiative and I get back to you after five months. I say, hey, Asar, remember me? And you say, oh, yeah. Oh, I wish you'd gotten back to me last month. We just started with this competitor of yours, right? I mean, anybody who's sold, sells anything has experienced something like that. So what could yes. you do? Well, I could put you on my email list, of course, with your permission. The problem with that is that you're only hearing from me. It's, it's, one, it's one direction. You know, there's the, it's not a, a two-way communication. It's me sending you stuff that you may or may not be reading. I could send you a book or like every you know, month or two, I could send you a gift or, hey, I thought about you. So did you see this article or this YouTube video, whatever? Still, it's one way and it feels kind of forced. Well, what if instead I could say, Isar, I hear you. you know, I, I wish for my own selfish reasons, I'd love to start now, but I get it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense from your point of view. Um, however, because of X, Y, and Z, which are issues for you, why don't you, in the meantime, I have this network. It's only a thousand or $2,000 a year. And it's really just so I know that the members want to be there. And it's curated, but you qualify. I'd be happy to have you there. And you know, you'd be you'd be in there with precisely the kinds of people that you really most want to be hanging out with. You know, you'd have that, you know, you'd be meeting great people who are on the same path, some a little ahead of you, some a little behind you, and it's just a great place. Like and you, you know, there's no obligation you to participate. It's not it's not a drain on your time. You participate when you feel like it, when you yeah. see and at some point in the next year or beyond, you will have some questions that will more than pay for the whole thing. And I'm just being able to access and things come up, you know, so, and, and that's, you know, I'll just describe the worst case scenario. Of course, there's, you know, there's a lot more. I was like, you know, in that case, talking to the person who's very resistant. Yes. But people very much, you know, everybody wants to be part of a network. And this, this ties back with what I said before. Everybody is parts of net, part of multiple networks and communities for the most sure. part. 
The problem is that we tell ourselves, we say, well, okay, well, if Isar is already a member of this one and that one and that or whatever, why would he want to join my network? Why would anybody want to join my network? We tell ourselves, we ask, ask ourselves, but we say it kind of like as if it's an answer. And that goes back to what I, I mentioned earlier, that when I was, before I, I even thought of starting JVMM, I joined these other ones. And what, what I noticed was how each community was different. Each community was different based on who the leader was. And everybody was, it was, each was really appealing to a different type of person. And some of those people were, again, absolutely in multiple communities. Yes. So that's the answer that I came to realize when, when some people were asking me, but like, who would want to be in my network? And the answer is, well, I had that same question. The answer is that there are people waiting for you to start a network. They just don't know it. Neither do you. Because you will create something with your curation and your approach to leading and conversation within your network. You'll do it in a way that nobody else is going to do. Yeah. And it's really important to recognize that, that again, this isn't for everybody. I don't think this is a, it's not a, a get rich quick thing. This is a long-term strategy that has immediate benefit. You know, it's like, I'd say that, you know, if somebody wants to test Facebook ads, right, you could, you could dip your toe in the water, you could run some tests, lose some money, uh, make some money maybe, right? And, you know, you, there's, that's it. Like, you know, if, you, if it doesn't work for you or you decide, nah, I don't want to, so like, you know, after a few weeks, you're done. Over here, you get immediate benefit. Anytime you're doing something that helps you connect, you know, with the, the right people, like, then you get immediate benefit. So the, the thing is, though, that, that you don't do this to, to try it out. You're not going to say, well, I'll try it for a few weeks and see what happens. You have to approach this as where you see like, okay, I don't want, I want a, a strategy that makes sense for me for the long run. When you have an alchemy network, you reaching out to potential clients, you're coming with a message that's different from what they're hearing from almost everybody else. Everybody else is approaching them with these customized, you know, yeah non-customized email and, <laughs> and LinkedIn messages that are really just the same sales stuff repeated over and over again. When you're coming with, with an alchemy network, you're talking about something that they're not hearing for the most part. And we've yeah. you know, gotten really good at messaging you know, and helping clients with their messaging. I've come to see that that's a skill I've really built up over the years. And you know, as I said, I'm working with some clients now, helping them uh, build their own alchemy networks. And, you know, I'm, I haven't pushed this big yet because I'm working with the you know, first handful or so, because I, I want to see, I approach this to what the curse of the expert. I was thinking like, well, anybody can do this, you know, like what's the, <laughs> but as I started working with people and I started asking questions and I started realizing that they're getting stuck on things that I'd figured out over the years. And I started to realize, huh, okay. Yeah. This is not as easy as it looks. So now, you know, as I'm working with people, I'm kind of really documenting it and creating processes and, and teaching the skills in a clearer and clearer way. And, and a big thing that I didn't realize was going to be a big part of this was really nailing that messaging. And a few days ago, a client who I'm working with, she said to me, she sent me a message about how, like we went back and forth for a while on her messaging. You know, sometimes messaging, you, you know, you'd think that on some level you think it would be easy, but it's really hard to get messaging right. It is. Very hard, right? You, you need something that, that you need one message or a message that accomplishes two things. Number one, it gets the attention and interest of your ideal client. Number two, it represents you as the bearer of that message. It's, it has to be a message that you're proud to bear, to carry. Yeah. And often, you know, people struggle that if it's something that they like to talk, you know, like, wow, yeah, that's what I'm all about. But the, the, the potential client doesn't care. Sure. They don't hear it. It goes right over their head. Right? And then if it's something that is, you know, design sales copy or sales messaging, often it's like, I don't want it to sound like that. That's yes. not me. <laughs> you know, so you got to find the magic in the middle. And, you know, we went back and forth and, and she finally got it because there's, there's an important thing is you lead people to the next small step. And I'm noticing also a number of clients are getting confused by they're asking people to take a big step before they're ready. And we're going back and forth and it's a simple idea, but I'm coming to see how you know, anything is simple when you've mastered it, but there's a, a learning curve and I'm, I'm really enjoying helping them go through that learning curve. So she'd sent out a message to just, you know, using what we developed, sent out to, I don't know, uh, I forgot how many people, not, not a large number of people, like, you know, she has a, has a list that she was working, sending out individual slightly customized messages, but we're using the approach and she got, I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was a very high response within less than a day. Like Amazing. a lot of them responded. I was like, 
yes, we got it. Like we, we started to nail it. Like that, that's like, that was a turning point. She's got her first two paying members in her alchemy network, right? It's exciting. So my point is that for the right person, the person who's not really interested in becoming that famous celebrity type, but the person who does like people, you know, loves people, cares about them genuinely, you know, like most of your business probably comes from referrals or relationships, but referrals are unpredictable and relationships take a lot of time. Well, when you have your own alchemy network, referrals can become much more predictable because we design simple systems for it and relationships can be leveraged. And this goes back to something that we actually started talking about a while ago, but veered off track a bit. And that's that, you know, relationships take time. People try to scale relationships. You can't scale relationships. You can use technology to support a relationship. So I think that there's something in between just one-to-one and you know what, what, which is, there's no getting away from that. You've got to have one-to-one conversations with people if you want a relationship with them and scaling it, which is, I don't even know what that looks like in any real way. You know, I, I got a message on LinkedIn yesterday, as we all do from somebody who was telling me, oh, I really loved your this or that. And they said like, you know, so that's why I wanted to connect. I accepted the connection. And, and my response was, sure, but there's absolutely nothing in what you said that leads me to believe that you didn't send the exact same message to hundreds of thousands of others <laughs> automatically. And she replied saying, I didn't, wait, I must be missing something. What, what, what gives you that impression? And I copied what I said before, which I, I, I didn't mention now, but I'd said in my first message, I said, because there's absolutely nothing in what you said that shows you're talking to me specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I haven't got a response yet. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but people are trying to, people are trying to uh, scale. You can't scale relationships, but I think you can leverage relationships. And when you own your own network, it's like owning the casino. You have an edge. When people are in one of my two networks, they, they always know that I'm there. They always remember that I'm, you know, kind of at the center there. And, you know, JVM has grown tremendously through nominations of, of people inside. You know, sure. It's like I'm getting nominations. People, hey, so-and-so, I, I think so-and-so should join. Have a look at what he's doing or have a look at what she's doing. And, you know, tell me if it looks like a good fit, right? And then they'll make an introduction and we'll get on a call. And a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily want to do this because I'm putting in time and it's not a huge amount of money. However, I was doing this for free for many years because, yes. because that was not the main source of my, my income. It was, that, it was the, the, the growing my email list as a way of selling more of my own thing and vice versa. That was the real source. And now I started getting paid for things that I was already doing for free. And that's what a lot of the consultants I'm working with, they were already reaching out to people, already building relationships. And now I'm just showing them how they are able to start getting paid, turn what they're already doing for free into a, a brand new revenue stream of 50, 100, $200,000 a year. I'm not throwing out huge numbers on purpose yeah. because you know, it, you know, it could take a year or two to get up to the higher numbers there. But Listen, I, yeah. I think what you're saying is brilliant. I think it's, uh, it puts so many things I believe in together into, again, a system and a process. And I want to ask you something that I ask almost all my guests, uh, or maybe all my guests, I'm not sure I, I need to go back and check. Since you're a system and process guy, what tools, and it's a completely 90 degree question, what tools you use in the day-to-day to make your work more efficient? Click tools, up. apps, systems. Clickup.com. Clickup.com. Profitablerelationships.com forward slash clickup for my affiliate link. I get my 30 cents or something like on your, I don't know. So by the way, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Clickup is absolutely brilliant. That's how I run my business and yeah. the other businesses that I coach. I've tried, I've tried so many different ways of managing tasks over the years from spreadsheets to lists to project management systems of, of all different types. And obviously I haven't tried everything, but you know, Trello and, and it wasn't until I tried Clickup less than a year ago. I heard about it from somebody. Suddenly I understood that what was so frustrating about all the others is that they were ClickUp just lets you look at what you're doing in so many different ways. And, and as I started working with it, I was thinking, oh, it'd be good if it does that. And then lo and behold, it does that. You know? I'm laughing because I'm having the same conversation only in reverse with yeah. so many people now that it's like it just it's not just that it does everything you want it to do, it does it in a very logical, simple way. Yeah, the layout oh. is, is simple and clean for the most part. Yeah, you could use it in in a ver- at a very simple level or very sophisticated. Yeah, perfect. And, and I I I cannot. T- it's the first 
project management, task management tool that I have used consistently ever. Amazing. How do people find more of you? If people want to connect with you, if people want to learn about your networks, about your services, how do they find you? Well, we put up a little little training that they can get for free on how to, like we talked about, how to take a lot of what you're doing for free and turn that into a revenue stream as an under the radar leader in your industry at profitablerelationships.com forward slash e-tribe, the letter E-T-R-I-B-E, which is in your honor. It's easy so, to remember. Thank you. <laughs> easy to remember. Yes. And there's a couple of videos training going a little deeper into some of this. And if anybody has any questions about this or anything, just email me, dove at profitablerelationships.com. Dov, this was fascinating, really in-depth, a very well thought after point of view on this whole concept of relationships and how to build them. And I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us today. I appreciate you having me. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The way Dov is able to create relationships at scale, build a community around what he's doing anyway, and monetize it is amazing. And really anybody in a business that is built around relationships, which is probably most of us can do the same thing. If you like relationship-related content that explains how and why communities around your business and relationships around your business is the key driver of business development in the current era and into the future, there are two episodes I really suggest you check out. The first one is episode 27. It's an amazing episode with Pablo Gonzalez, who's currently my business partner. It's called How New Business Growth Strategies are leveraging networking generated content. This interview is what led me into connecting with Pablo and then eventually starting Be The Stage with him, which is the business we're in right now. So if you wanna learn how it all started or just be highly educated on why you need to build a community around your business and how to do that, scroll all the way back on your podcast player to episode 27 or just go to theetribe.com forward slash 27. The second episode you have to check out if you're interested in relationship and how to grow them in order to grow your business is the interview with Adam King. And that was episode 24 and it's called How to Drive Business Growth, a Simple Framework that Guarantees Real Results. It's absolutely brilliant. It's very, very practical and you can literally follow what he's suggesting in order to grow your business while leveraging relationships. And again, you can find it by scrolling all the way back to 24 on your podcast player or by visiting theetribe.com forward slash 24. And until next time, have an amazing week. Hey, Tribers, I hope you enjoy this great interview. If you have, please share this with your friends and your colleagues. If you'd like access to similar content or you would like to get the notes and the resources mentioned in this interview, please visit us at theetribe.com where you can find other great interviews like this one as well as many resources and tools which can help you grow or start your business. We would love it if you would join the eTribe, either as a member or as a contributor. You can do that on the website as well. I hope you would listen to us next time and until then, have a great day.